In today's rapidly changing world, we all have questions and we all want answers. It's on this program that we get our answers from the Word of God. It's time for another episode of A Relevant Word with longtime pastor and best-selling author, Carl Gallup. Welcome to another A Relevant Word with Pastor Carl Gallops of the Hickory Hammock Baptist Church in the Milton, Florida area. I'm Kevin King, and we were just talking about what the lesson's going to be about today, Carl, and this is going to be fascinating. Yeah. Many times you've spoken about how everything's connected in the Bible, but I've never heard the connection, the direct connection between the first three chapters and the last three chapters yep. of the Bible, yep. Genesis <laughs> and Revelation. And this is going to be fascinating. Well, I appreciate it, man. And thanks for having me and for the uh, listening audience. God bless you. Thanks for being a part of the program today. Yeah, so so the first three chapters, of course, are Genesis 1, 2, and 3. The last three chapters, of course, are in the book of Revelation, chapter 20, 21, and 22. And those six chapters are interconnected in very fascinating ways. And that's what I want to take a few moments to share with you on this relevant word. Not only will we learn a bunch of stuff about this, but again, we will always endeavor to make this relevant to your life. So let's think about the book of Genesis. What is the book of Genesis, especially the first three chapters? Well, it's the book of the beginnings, and those three chapters really go all the way back to in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. Of course, that's the first verse. But what I like to show people is if you'll take the first two or three, four verses there, uh, and, and I'm just quoting it off the top of my head here, but, you know, in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. The earth was formless and void and 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 darkness, uh, and then the whole the, the whole the Spirit of God hovered over the face of the deep, and then God said, let there be light. Okay, so now what I like to share, show people is, is that, you know, that's really all God had to tell us. I mean, that's he just said, look, I did it. Uh, I spoke it, and it came into being. Um, you, this is not an accident. I did it on purpose. You didn't come from monkeys. Uh, it wasn't an accidental explosion. Uh, you know, so it's, all of that is wrapped up in those first few verses and with the beginning of the creation of light, which I have taught about many times. So, so when you look at that, and then you just realize that's really all he had to say. And then the next thing that it could have said after that is, now the serpent was the most crafty of all the creatures he created. And, and in the garden, and you just, just go right to the garden. Okay. But instead, what the Lord does is he recapitulates in the scripture. In other words, it, it makes the opening statement, and then it backs up. And fills in the details. So God is gracious to us. He, 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 this recapitulation process backs up and tells us some of the details. So now we get, well, what happened on day one? What happened on day two? What happened on day three? And there was evening, and there was morning, and there was day three, day four, day five. Day six, of course, we read about the creation of Adam. So now we have the understanding of humanity being on the face of the earth. Now that's what we know as chapter one. It could have ended there and said, uh, and the and and the serpent, the most crafty, and that would be chapter three, and then tell us about the Garden of Eden. But of course, you don't want to exclude Eve. So what it, it could have just said, and he created Adam, and oh yeah, he created Eve. Okay, now the no, all the women out there screaming at me right now. I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. But I'm making a point here, and that is this: 
the Lord in his graciousness gives us a lot of details. Listen, not everything that maybe we would like to know or think we ought to know. He gives us what we need to know, but he gives us that information. The first two or three, four verses, boom, there it is. I created it. But then he backs up one, two, three, four, five, six. Now, chapter two, that backs up even further again and goes back into day six and tells us more about Adam. He names the animals, et cetera, et cetera. The Lord knows and understands that he's still lonely in that there's another one. There's not another one like him on the earth. Now, there's there's the Lord God himself, his creator. There's the what we would call the angelic realm. But at that point, uh, they, th- those those uh, beings, the sons of God, the Bible says in, in Hebrew, it's B'nai Elohim. Um, apparently, they're, I mean, this is, this is where God has put his throne. He's going to do something with the earth. He's going to create humanity, another whole creation in his image, if you will. And so then he tells us about creating Eve and how he creates Eve and then how God commands them. Now go and, you know, conquer the earth, subdue the earth, fill the earth and, and enjoy it. This is for you. This is for you and for all of your children, your children's children, et cetera, et cetera. Okay. Now, then it says, now the serpent, the craftiest of all the creatures God had made, came unto Eve and Adam eventually, and you know the rest of that story. Well, and I have taught and preached on this many times before, and I don't want to get into it now, uh, but, 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 the, but, the, but the word serpent is, is Hebrew, nakash, and that doesn't literally mean a walking, talking snake, because by the time we get to, book, to the book of Revelation, and here's one connection, but this is just in chapter 12, we discover the word of God says, in that ancient serpent who is the devil or Satan, so we find out that there's a, you know, there's a metaphor there that's being used way back in Genesis. It wasn't a walking, talking snake in the same way we call Jesus the lion of the tribe of Judah or the lamb of God. All of those words are in Revelation to speak of Jesus. Well, then we learn that this ancient serpent, quote around the word serpent, in other words, it's a metaphor, this is Satan. There he is in the garden. So those first three chapters just kind of tell us the whole it gives us the whole picture of of God's creation, uh, why he did it, how he did it, uh, what he did it for, and who he did it for, and it ultimately revolved around the creation of humanity. But then between chapter 2, at the end of chapter 2, it says, now God saw all that he had made, and behold, it was very good. And it could have just ended there and went on. But but this chapter 3 needed to be there because there had to be some explanation for why this world doesn't look like a world that God is completely running and in control of or that we are acquiescing to God's ownership and control. It looks like a fallen world. It looks like something's wrong here, okay? So the third chapter of the Word of God, the third chapter of Genesis, tells us how all that began. And I've written a book on it called Gods of Ground Zero that people can get at my website. And and I go into great detail about what the Bible says kind of actually happened in the garden and what the whole word of God says of what happened in the garden. That's another story. But the point of, of what we're doing today is, is just showing how these three first three chapters go from 
God speaking, God creating, God creating humanity in the form of Adam, then God continuing his creation of humanity in the form of Eve, and then their command to procreate and to go forward. Now, after God says he looked and everything was wonderful and everything is good, and then it goes into chapter 3, and theologians, uh, renowned scholars for thousands of years have tried to figure out, well, how much time was there between when God said, behold, it's good? Well, and then the next thing you hear is Satan messing it up. So, I mean, did that happen like on day eight? <laughs> I mean, one day later, the next morning? No. What, what, what most scholars fairly well agree on is that it was at least what we would call in our, our day and time of measurement, at least 100 years before the fall. And that's based upon genealogies and other things. I don't want to get into the details of that on the radio. But the bottom line is that there was a space of time there. So again, there's a gap there between chapter 2 and chapter 3. But life is going on apparently with Adam and Eve and children, et cetera, et cetera. But then we get into chapter 3 and we discover there's the fall. And we hear God's judgment on the world, if you will, but starting with Adam and Eve, the first of all, death, which was promised. If you follow after this one, he's going to bring death and it's going to happen. And so he announces those judgments and he announces to Adam, look, you're going to toil. You know, the to- your toil was supposed to be in a paradise. It was supposed to be fun and beautiful and awesome and no, no pain. You were never going to die, everything. But now... All of that has come, plus you're going to toil the soil in, in labor and sweat. Okay, so that was kind of, you know, that was a judgment put on him, a punishment, if you will. And then, of course, Eve, in, in your labor, you know, is, is going to be pretty horrendous. And, and because, be, because this is what your, your whole responsibility was. And then he brings Satan, and he says to Satan, he says, now look, here's the deal. Through the womb of a woman will come this child. Now, you know that had to be a slap in Satan's face. A child, a child who is going to destroy your kingdom. Now, I'm paraphrasing, but what it says is you will bruise his heel. He will crush your head. In other words, your kingdom's going to be destroyed by what? A superman human? Uh, what, 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 what? A child from the womb of a woman. So that's how chapter 3 ends. So you've got basically the first prophecy and the first beginning of the gospel message right there. Through this child born of a woman will come the one who's going to destroy the work of what Satan has done. Because now we find out as we go through the rest of the scriptures that this, this whole world process basically belongs to Satan. He's the one that's ruining the whole thing. He's the one that's got it in the tizzy and the spin that it's in. So as we as we close out those three chapters, between that third chapter and the entire rest of the Bible, and I'm going to get to the last three chapters right after the break here in a little bit, but but the entire rest of the Bible, it's the story of humanity. It's you know, if you take the word history and divide it in two, it's his story. And, and so that's what it is. It's, it's the story of how God is working through nations and empires and peoples and tribes and languages and the ups and downs. I mean, right in the middle of it's the flood. You know, that, that happened a good 500 years. Some scholars think a thousand years after the garden experience, but then comes the flood and everything just gets worse and worse and worse. And then it kind of starts over again with the eight that settle on Mount Ararat out of the ark. And then the story continues. And what we discover is that God is actively working in these people, these languages, these tribes, these nations. He's actively 
actively working to restore the whole thing as it was in the beginning. And there's a reason for that, and we're going to get to it in a moment. We're going to jump to the last three chapters and another passage in Ephesians that explains the whole thing, and it'll make the whole Word of God, I think, very understandable and come alive for a lot of people that are listening. It's the first three chapters and the last three. And the last three chapters. They do tie together. This is a relevant word with Pastor Carl Gallops, and we'll be back right after the break. For more on Pastor Carl or to listen to his podcast anytime, visit carlgallops.com. For more on Pastor Carl or to listen to his podcast anytime, visit carlgallops.com. Welcome back to A Relevant Word with Pastor Carl Gallops. And we have learned that the first three chapters of the Bible, we've, we've learned about that. Now we're going to find out how those first three chapters of the Bible directly correlate to the last three chapters yeah, of the Bible. Do. So the first in Genesis and the absolute last in Revelation and that's what the lesson is today, Carl. Thanks. Yeah, well, I appreciate it, man. I appreciate you um, setting me up for this. And for those listening, uh, I, uh, I'm, I'm honored that you're with us. So, yeah, so let me just pick up where I left off. The bottom line is, is that after we read about what happens in the garden, then everything going forward. I mean, we, again, we run into the days of Noah and then we run into the, uh, uh, to the, to the replenishing of the earth. And then we run into the, to the rise of people and nations and God sets the borders for them and, and off the earth goes for thousands of years. And so the rest of the word of God begins to focus in on, of course, the children of Abraham. And from that would come the nation of Israel. Why is the focus there? Well, it's not that these people are perfect. You read the word and find out they're not very perfect. And God even says that. But he chooses them for whatever. He's He's God. He can do that because through them he's going to bring what we now know as the whole word of God. He's going to eventually bring the prophecies of God, the prophets of God who will give those prophecies. What are they prophesying about? Well, a lot of things. They kind of serve as intermittent intermediaries between the throne of God and God's people living in a fallen world. But in the meantime, they're prophecies of the coming Christ, the coming Christ, the one, the, the child that's coming from the womb. Those are all through the Old Testament, right down to even when he begins his ministry, if you will, uh, the, the miracles he will work. It, it, there are prophecies about the crucifixion, his crucifixion. Behold, they have pierced my hands and my feet. That's Psalm 22. Uh, behold, uh, uh, the punishment that was laid upon him. Uh, was our peace. They they pierced him and bruised him. That's Isaiah 53. In Zechariah chapter 12, God says, and on that day you will look upon me whom you have pierced, but you will mourn for him as an only son. All of these are written a thousand years, 500 years, 700 years before the coming of the Christ. So all of that's packed into the Old Testament and so much more, but you get to follow the people of God and the world and the rise and fall of empires, um, the Assyrian Empire, the Persian Empire, the Babylonian Empire, the and then the Persian Empire, then the Greek Empire, then the Roman Empire. It's all right there. And you see how all of that affects the people of God, the Word of God, God's plan. You see 
the, you, you, you see how Satan is always trying to thwart God's plan. It's a cosmic war. It's a cosmic battle. And you look at our world that we're living in, you can sense this. You can see this. Anybody with any spiritual sense at all can feel what's happening in the world. So the word of God between the last chapter of, or, or chapter three of Genesis goes all the way in. Then it hits finally the book of Revelation because now the church, I mean, Jesus has gone to the cross. He's risen from the grave. The church has been born. The spirit has been given. The gospel's being preached. And then John, of course, is on the island of Patmos. He's an old man now. By the time the word of God closes, he has given the book of Revelation. And then that's what seals up the whole word of God. But the book of Revelation unseals itself. Of course, Jesus is the one that opens the seals. But what happens is that then you got chapter 1, 2, 3, 4, 5, 6, 7, 8, 9, 10, 11, 12, 13, 14, 15, 16, 17, 18, 19, 20, 21, 22. There's 22 chapters of the book of Revelation. And so what you're going to do is follow the progression of what happens when those seals are opened and you're getting into the last days. And I do believe we're living in very, very prophetic days. I don't set dates, so I'm not one of those guys, but, but I can see that we're living in the most prophetic times right now than those, than, than the world has ever seen since the first coming of Jesus Christ. I mean, we are the, the prophecies of God's word, Old and New Testament about the quote last days are unfolding right before our eyes, major prophecies. And that'll be another show. But the point is, as you go through the book of Revelation, you wind up finally with the victory chapters where, where the bowls of wrath are finally being poured out. The nations are being brought into submission. And then chapter 20, and then the Lord himself returns because now here's this male child from the womb of a woman who's coming back to crush the head of Satan finally. And the whole world, in fact, the apostle Paul speaks back, I think it's in Romans uh, off the top of my head right now, where he says the whole creation is groaning, longing, waiting for the restoration of all things. And so what we what we run into then in the last three chapters is chapter 20, the Lord returns, he is fulfilling what was said in the garden at chapter three. You see the connection there? So then the Lord returns, then the great white throne of judgment is set up. Satan, the one that caused the whole mess, he's thrown into the lake of fire. That's another, that's an interdimensional uh, exclusion, a banishment from never, he'll never set foot in our lives or God's creation again. Um, That's another whole teaching. I can do a whole show on that sometime. But the bottom line is chapter 20 says that. And then the great white throne of judgment is set up. And we see that that's where the nations, the kings, the leaders, the rulers, all who have despised and rejected God's word and God's people and have come against God's word and God's people down through the ages. They're brought before the throne of God. It's not a trial. It's a judgment. It's called the great white throne of judgment. And so there, there it is. That is finally done. They are banished from his sight, all who have rejected him. And there's another program we can do on that because I know this was raising more questions than it's answering. But the point is, I'm going to wrap it up here in a minute and put a bow on it. But the point is, then comes chapter uh, 21. And I love this because it, it, it starts off by saying, and then John said, and then I looked after this great white throne and the Lord has set everything up in the kingdom, he's returned, he's crushed Satan, he's pushed him out, he's he's gone, he's banished, he's, he's forever from our presence. And then it says, and then I heard a voice from the throne. And I heard that voice saying, behold, I am making everything new. There's 
the promise, connected all the way back to Genesis 1, 2, and 3. And he says, and I saw a new heaven and a new earth. And that word heaven means the sky, the atmosphere, everything. Everything that's been corrupted, polluted, everything that's been, you know, that's trembling to be restored. And then the new earth, the new earth, think about that. Kevin, I mean, no, no, the, the the air is pristine, the water is pristine, everything is gorgeous and beautiful, like it was in the Garden of Eden. The flower, the, the excuse me, the colors and the and and the smells. Uh, uh, Paul, who tasted of it, who got a rapturous vision of it, just like John, he said, "I'm telling you, your mind has never seen, your ear has never heard, your eyes never comprehended." And so here's here's what we here's what we're faced with in chapter twenty, and it says, "Behold, I make everything new." And from this point forward, he says, write these words down, John. They're trustworthy. They're true. There will be no more pain, no more suffering, no more mourning, no more death. Everything is made new. In other words, it's going to be like it was meant to be from the garden. Had there not been a fall, it's going to all be made new. Everything this fallen world took from you will be restored That's an amazing thing to think of. And then the last chapter talks about, and then I saw the new Jerusalem coming down out of it. That's another program. It's huge. It's huge. Its dimensions are huge. It covers almost all the continental United States. Not that that's where it's going to be. I'm just making an illustration here that people can comprehend. It goes up into Canada, comes over almost all the eastern and central United States. When you look at the dimensions that are in there, and it's it's basically the central headquarters for everything God's going to do in the the recreated universe, the recreated world. It's got gates, 12 gates. We can go in and out, the Bible says. I believe those gates mean portals. Portals to what? Well, we're, we're, we're recreated. We, can, we will never die. I mean, we are now going to be serving, the Bible says, Revelation says, as a kingdom of priests for the Lord. To do what? Well, to to subdue the earth. Apparently, there are going to be nations there. It talks about the healing of the nations will take place. And it's going to be like it was meant to be from the beginning. And then those gates in this huge central location of the ruling and reigning of all that God who creates everything is doing, we're going to be able to go in and out of those gates. And so wherever he sends us and whatever we do, we'll be like the angels are now. They're servants of the Most High. They come in and out of our dimension. There's no telling what other dimensions they can go. They can come in and out of Satan's dimension, the prince of the power of the air, and the unseen realms that Paul talks about in Ephesians 6. So the bottom line, now when we look at this whole thing, what we see is the first three chapters of Genesis tell us how we got here, who put us here, why we're here. There's a purpose behind it all. That purpose was thwarted because we're not animals. We're not puppets. We're not robots. We were created in his image. We could choose. We could think. We could We could create. Yeah, Not like God by just speaking, but we can create with our hands. We can create with our bodies. You join a man and a woman together, you can create other human beings. I mean, it's unbelievable how how God has set this thing up. But the point is, We are now, right now, as I'm speaking, we're living in the midst of a fallen world that's on a collision course in a good way for those of us that, you know, are believers, but it's on a collision course with Satan's kingdom grip, but he is going to lose. He's already lost, but the Lord is going to return. Everything will be made new and everything will be restored to like it was supposed to be in the Garden of Eden and boom, 
those first three chapters dovetail into the last three chapters and everything in between is is basically just a record of of how God is pulling it back together and he's showing us the details so that when Jesus does come we have really if we know the word we have very few questions about well who is this guy why is he going to a cross what, what do you mean he's resurrecting? Why would he do that? All of those questions are answered in the rest of the story between the third chapter of Genesis and then the last three chapters of Revelation. So those tie together unbelievably so. The first chapter of Revelation ties directly to the first chapter of Genesis because in the first chapter of, Resola- of Revelation, we hear Jesus say, Behold, I'm the first and the last, the beginning and the end. I'm the Alpha and the Omega. And he says, I hold the keys to death and Hades. That word Hades means the realms, all the realms. doesn't mean hell. That's a different thing. Hell is is a prison place waiting for the great white throne of judgments. Hades just means all of the realms. He said, I hold hold the keys to all of that. So that connects to Genesis 1, where we discover that that's exactly, we discover that God created everything. He creates all the realms. God himself in the Old Testament calls himself, I'm the first and the last, the beginning and the end. I am the Aleph and the Taw. That's Hebrew for Alpha and Omega. The first chapter of Genesis, the first chapter of Revelation, they become tied together. So all of this is fascinating, but the relevancy of all of this is, folks, you're listening right now and you're wondering what's going on in the world, what's going on in my life, where's all this headed? Here's the deal. I promise you, this is going to sound short and simple and sweet, but the bottom line is God's got this. He always has. He knows what he's doing. He knows what he's doing in your life. He knows where you are. He hasn't brought you this far to leave you. He has got this. It's all tied together. And that's a very comforting way to end the show with this lesson. Well, I had to do a lot of <laughs> slamming things together there in this short time. I, I hope That's it makes sense to the listeners. Thank you. But anyway, Kevin, I appreciate you uh, being a part of the show today, as always. And I just want to say to the folks, may the Lord bless you and keep you always. Thank you for listening. Now more than ever, we need to listen to God. He still speaks through His Word, the Bible. Each week, Pastor Gallops shares what the Word of God is saying, even now. A relevant word with longtime pastor and best-selling author Carl Gallops. To access Pastor Carl and to listen to his podcast anytime, visit carlgallops.com. Thanks for listening.